Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. On Good Friday, we reflected on the fact that right now we celebrate today because we know that Jesus was resurrected and he lives again. But I tell you, for the disciples, it was a dark day. They would have woken up this morning uh, still feeling utter loss about what they had experienced in the past few days. We get to celebrate because we know that it's done, it's finished, uh, the, the, any work that it takes to get towards God, it's completed. It was completed on the cross. And so we give God praise and thanks for that. On Friday, we learned that the reason that Jesus come or came was to call people out of darkness and into his light. And he is the light and he shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome him. So I want to speak to you guys a, a message today, an Easter message. I want to begin with a scripture this morning out of Micah 7 verse 8. It says, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I love to see light break the darkness. I went on a a holiday with my wife. It was our 10-year wedding anniversary uh, last year, and so we went on a holiday together, just spent five days up at the Sunshine Coast. And I told myself, because we had an ocean view, that every day I would get up and watch the sun rise. So I did not do that for the first four mornings. And I just kept sleeping in. And because when you don't have kids, hey, you just live large, right? So sleep ins and everything. So, so we just thought, you know, uh, we're going to have to do it. It's the last day. And we got up and it was in the darkness and we sat there and it was freezing. It was cold, but we put our you know, blankets on and then we just waited for the sun to come up. And here is the thing that I forgot about sunrises. They feel like they take forever, you know? And I'm sitting there and first of all, it starts to get a little bit light. And I kept on thinking that the light was about to break at any moment. But I was on the verge of the light breaking. It felt for like an hour. And I just thought, man, when is this thing going to happen? But You know, I was sitting there in the darkness waiting for the light to break through, but I'm totally relaxed because I know that the sun isn't going anywhere, that eventually it is going to rise. Eventually, the light will break through into the darkness. But the disciples, of course, they had no idea that that would happen. They had no idea that the light would eventually break the darkness. And in fact, they were sitting in darkness waiting for their uh, situation to change because they have just watched their Lord, their Messiah, the Holy One of Israel, who we call the King of Kings. They watched him as he was crucified upon a cross. The Bible says that there were two guys, Joseph and Nicodemus, who came and they they took him. They buried him and they put him in a tomb. And I know that there are uh, people, and it's even written to the scriptures, that people said, oh, they have stolen the body. No, 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 they didn't steal the body. Do you know what it says? That they put like aloes and myrrh and they covered the body. And it was, think about it like an embalming. They wrapped him in, in, cloth, in cloth, you know, and, and actually they put, they put around about, about 34 kilos 
of aloe and myrrh and they just wrapped him up. So anybody that's going to be wrapped and have that all over their body, they're going to suffocate. Not to mention the fact that the Bible says that he was so badly damaged and injured that he would not have recovered from those wounds. He had a spear that pierced through his side. No one is going to recover from that. And so on Saturday, they waited In darkness, I hate waiting. I really do. That's why I don't have a Jesus fish on the back of my car. Because one day I could be caught in traffic and I want to make sure that I'm always representing Jesus well. Some of you, some of you just need to help him out by taking that fish off the back of your car. Because when people see that and they see you waiting they're not impressed with Jesus. So you just need to think it. Anyway, I, I, I don't like waiting. Did you know that the disciples, the disciples, they didn't like to wait either. In fact, there was a few disciples that thought, you know what, we're just going to get out of here. And so on the third day, they decided that they were going to take a trip and they were going to journey to a place called Emmaus. You know, I've got to tell you something. You can leave partway through the story. But I'll tell you this right now, God's plan is not your plan and you should stick around for the ending because when Jesus is on your side, it's always worth it and you have no idea what he is able to do. So before anyone who's here today that is thinking about cutting their journey short, you should wait to see what God is prepared to do in your life. So I want to... I want to read this. This is going to be very easy for you guys today because I thought that I would just read and you can sit back and you can listen. And I want to read to you from Luke chapter 24 and in verse 13. It's the story about these two disciples that are uh, on the road to Emmaus and one is named Cleopas. And uh, Cleopas, actually, if you read what scholars say, they say that it was, uh, he was Jesus's uncle, and he was most likely traveling with his wife, who was Mary. So you've got Uncle Cleo and Aunt Mary who were traveling along the road to Emmaus. And it says this, that that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened immediately after Jesus's death. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. That's what darkness does. Isn't it amazing how Jesus can be right beside you, but when you're in the midst of your own darkness, you have no idea that he is walking right next to you. And he said to them, what is the conversation that you were holding with each other as you walk? I want to let you know this point right now. Whenever Jesus asks you a question, he already knows the answer. He wasn't asking because he needed to know what they were talking about. He just wanted them to begin to confess it. And they stood still from the fact that they couldn't walk any further. They're on their way to Emmaus, but so heartbroken that they decide that they're just going to stand still. It says, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas, Uncle Cleo, Answer him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? He's saying it to Jesus. That is awkward. And then in these days, and he said to him, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a mighty prophet in deed and word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered up to be condemned to death and crucified. 
And now he just really starts to let all of it out. He says, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They came at the tomb early in the morning And when they did not find the body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. And Jesus replying, he says to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures and the things concerning Himself. I love that Jesus begins to break it down for them. So if you can see this picture for just a moment, here he is and he comes and he walks alongside them and he begins to counsel them. Do you know why? Because his name is the Prince of Peace. And what God wants for people is to have peace in their life. And so here he is and he walks and he draws near. And then it says in verse 28, so they drew near to a village to which they were going. And this is my favorite part. He acted, you didn't know that Jesus acts, he does. He acted as if he was going further. Where? Where was he going? Just go with me for a minute. He is not only Jesus pre-death, but post-resurrection, fully God. And he could be anywhere that he wants to be. Not only that, he transcends time and space. He can get there any way that he wants. If I had one wish, I don't even know if I would wish for world peace. I would love to fly. I mean, as a mode of transportation, but he wouldn't even need to do that. He can just step out of one reality and into the next. He can be anywhere. So he's acting that he is going further. I look at this and I'm absolutely blown away by the fact that Jesus could be anywhere. And even though he could be anywhere, he chose to be with the people that needed him. Just think about it for a minute. He could be anywhere. He's outside of time and space. And the one place that Jesus chooses to be is walking. On, he's traveling by foot with people so that he can come alongside them and help them. Sometimes we need to see this Prince of Peace as he is because when you're in the dark, I need you to know something right now. Jesus will walk alongside of you. In fact, Isaiah 43 1 to 3 says this, But now thus says the Lord, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. I feel like there's even someone here today that just needs to hear that. There are things, raging torrents in your life right now. He says they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Jesus couldn't be anywhere. He chooses to be with the people that he loves. He chooses to be with the people that need him. He chooses to walk alongside those who walk in darkness. And I promise you this, if you're waiting in darkness, the sun isn't going anywhere. 
the sun is not going anywhere. Just as surely as the light breaks the dawn every morning, I believe that Jesus is waiting to break through into people's lives and their situations and their circumstances. And so they have dinner with Jesus that night, Uncle Cleo and Auntie Mary, and they convinced him that says that they persuaded him, urging him strongly, saying, stay with us. Don't ever think that prayer doesn't work because that's exactly what prayer looks like. They asked him to stay when he was planning to go and they persuaded him to stay. Prayer is simply talking to Jesus and that's what they were doing. And it says that when he was with the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and it gave, he gave it to them and their eyes were opened and instantly they recognized him. And how about this for a party trick? The moment they saw him, he vanishes. I mean, he just disappears, just like completely dematerializes. And they said that they saw it. And if you read what scholars say, they say maybe the reason that they recognized him and their eyes were opened is because as he took the bread, he had the holes in his hands where the nails had pinned him to the cross. Or maybe it was the fact that they had seen him break bread many times before. And now watching him do something that seems so familiar, they watched it and they looked at each other and they said, before they could even say, it's you, he disappears. And at that moment, they were so elated. They said, we have to go back and tell everyone in Jerusalem, let's get back there. So it says that they leave that very hour. And when they leave, they find the disciples and they're all gathered together. And as they're together discussing these things, Jesus just appears in the room. Again, he's just full of party tricks today. He appears and he says, surprise. No, he didn't actually say that. He said, peace be with you, but surprise would have been a great opener because they would have been absolutely surprised at the fact that Jesus was there. And the moment that the disciples saw him, they said, yes, you have been resurrected. We glorify you. We honor you. We bow down. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming back to us. Actually, they said nothing like that. Do you know what they actually said? They said, we think we've seen a spirit. (laughs) And these mighty men of God that Jesus has trained for three years. If you read the scriptures, it says that they were troubled at his sight. And in fact, that they were afraid. They didn't know what was happening. They, they, they doubted. They were troubled, doubted. And he's standing in front of them. And he, they doubted him until he began to show, show them the holes that were in his hands. Then you would think... As far as signs go, that holes in your hands are a pretty good indicator that you were, in fact, Jesus. But it says, looking at that, that they still disbelieved. Even after looking at it, I imagine Jesus like lifting up his shirt and going, seriously, look at this. This is where I was pierced in my side. Here are my hands. Here's my side. And he's telling them, and they're like, can we touch it? Yeah, go, go, go right ahead. Isn't that disgusting? It's like, here. Just, and, and now they're, they're touching. And in the middle of all of that, they still disbelieved. Uncle Cleo is walking on the road from Emmaus, and he's, he's walking on the road to Emmaus. Jesus joins him. And what does he begin to pour out? All of his doubts. And you know, the thing is, is when the disciples were doubting, And Uncle Cleo was there and he was doubting. And they said, we thought that he was the Holy One of Israel. At that very moment, Jesus didn't go anywhere. 
Because Jesus doesn't leave people when they're struggling with doubt. He doesn't leave people or reject them when they don't understand what's happening in their life. And if you are struggling and waiting for the light to begin to break the day, I can tell you, you are in good company. Jesus knows how to handle doubts. He knows how to handle your doubts. So whatever it is that you're struggling with, you should take that doubt and bring it straight to him because he knows what to do with it. Did you notice in the scriptures that it says that there Jesus was in the room speaking to the disciples and he shows them the holes that are in his hands where the spear was placed and and pierced into his side. But if you think back to what the scriptures say, it says that he was marred beyond human semblance. In other words, he was unrecognizable as a human being. He was so badly beaten and tortured that they couldn't see him. Now, how is it that Jesus manages to do a whole heap of cosmetic surgery and all this? Remember, he had a cat of nine tails that was ripping flesh from his body. What do you think? That he managed to do the kind of surgery necessary to put his face back together and to heal the skin, but what? That he just forgot the holes in his hands? That he just forgot the hole that was bet- went through his feet? That he forgot to heal the spear that pierced through his side? He didn't forget any of it. So why would he heal every part of him and still leave those things there? You know why? They're not there for him. They're there for the disciples. Because he knows that they need something to, they need to first recognize him, but they need to know that he is the Christ. Listen to me. God will meet you where you're at. He will meet you where you're at. And the first time that the disciples were gathered together, it says that Thomas was not there with the rest of them. And Thomas, he got a bad rap. Do you know that people call him Doubting Thomas? Because the disciples came and found him and they said to him, hey, did you know that we were in a room together and then Christ appeared to us? He said, no, I don't believe it unless I see the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet. Unless I can see it, I don't believe it. Why should we call him Doubting Thomas when he is at his darkest moment, a moment of weakness when he's mourning his friend and his teacher and his savior? That's what sometimes people want to do. They want to label you when you're at your darkest moment. But why should we call him Doubting Thomas when he's the same Thomas that said, hey, if we're going to go with Christ and we are going to die with him. Well, let us go. We're prepared to die with him. Thomas is the same one that later on left where he was and traveled to India and then was a martyr for his faith. So why should we look in on Thomas's darkest moment and say, and, and just label him right there? God doesn't want to label you in your darkest moment. He wants to find you in your darkest moment and he wants to take you from where you are into the light where he is. And that's what he did with the disciples. Verse 41 says they couldn't believe it. They still can't believe it for the joy that was in their hearts. Sometimes when God does stuff in your life, it's almost too wonderful to believe. The resurrection story is almost too wonderful to believe. And then he says, you guys got something to eat? And he has some fish and he sits down with them. A couple of weeks ago, I know that this is going to blow your mind, but it was around 30 degrees. And I decided to go with my family to the beach. And so there we were just 
in the water and my son Judah said to me, hey dad, can we go down the pier and just jump off the, at the end of the pier? I said, yeah, of course, let's go. So we got up and we had seen that there was a, a group of people that were gathered together on the pier. And so we got down there and it was a bunch of kids and they were all daring each other to be the first one to jump into the ocean. And it's like when you're a kid, you always want someone to go first. You do it first. You do it first. So then I turn up and there were a bunch of kids saying, you go first. Now, for those of you that haven't experienced this, this or don't understand it, this is a man test. Yeah, because you cannot let kids go first. And I cannot be intimidated beyond the children. (laughs) So I stepped up because I am a man. And I went to the edge and I looked over and I just jumped in. And then I came up and I turned around and they were all there and I'm alive. And they say, are you okay? And I'm like, it's okay. And the moment they knew it was okay, Everyone starts jumping in. They're all in there and all having a great time. But someone had to go first so they knew that it was possible. When Jesus was resurrected, it was the first time that people knew it would be possible to be resurrected, especially in this way. You see people who've been brought back from the dead, but never like this. Lazarus was brought back from the dead, but only to die again. No, Paul says that actually Jesus is the first fruits. He is a new kind of human being that comes back to life and has a physical body and never dies. And the reason they say he's the first fruits is he's the first one and who should be the ones that follow him? Every single person that calls upon the name of Jesus Christ. And what he did is what we will do. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was the first time in history that anyone had broken the curse of sin. And that is why Paul says this. He says, death is swallowed up. It's destroyed. It's vanquished in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death only has one weapon, death. And he can't even do that right. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? If something stings you and you don't address it immediately, eventually something can happen to you. The sting of sin is death. So sin stings you now, you die later on. It says the sting of sin is death and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Until this moment, all humanity stood in the shadow of death. They stood in the shadow of darkness. It was here that we would wait because death was the end of hope. Death was the end of life, except for this here in this moment right now. Jesus defeats death. He overcomes sin. He lives the perfect life that we should have lived. And then the Easter message is so much more amazing than that is that he delivers his victory to us as our own. And what he did is what we do. And then he began to break down everything and explain everything to the disciples. And he said, I want you to just wait as he stood there in that 
room while they're still watching in disbelief. I kind of imagine Jesus walking around still looking for food while no one else is moving. Everyone else is just staring in amazement. He's there still hungry. But then he says, hey, listen, I want to tell you something. Don't even think about departing Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And when he does, he will clothe you in power. And after that, you're meant to go out and spread the good news. What's that? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus is simply this, that he lived a life that you should have lived. And he died the death you should have died. And then he was victorious over death. He offers forgiveness of sins. He was resurrected and ascended and is seated at the right hand of power. He said, I want you to take that message, which is light for people. I want you to take that message and I want you to share it with everyone that will listen to it. Paul says in Corinthians, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The Bible did not say, go make your own light. We call that religion. It means that if you follow the right laws and the right rules, and you don't break them, then you will have light. But the Bible never says you are responsible for creating your own light. The Bible didn't say you need to fix your own darkness. That's works. That's behavior modification. And Jesus never said that we would need to fix our own darkness. The Bible never said that you won't make mistakes along the way. Anyone who thinks they can make it on their own, we call that self-righteousness. The righteousness that Christians understand better than anyone that we shouldn't be self-righteous. We have nothing to brag about except Christ and Him crucified. It's not self-righteousness that helps you. But when you make mistakes, because you will, and when you do, Jesus could be anywhere, but you'll find Him standing right beside you. Because when you make mistakes, it is not God's exit strategy from your life. When you're struggling with doubts and have other things that are going through your mind, you need to know that even though Jesus, who transcends time and space, he can be anywhere, but he chooses to be right beside you. The Bible says, we don't proclaim ourselves. There's nothing about us that we say is great except we proclaim Christ. It's all about Jesus. And Jesus He loved us at our darkest moments. Your darkness, the stuff that's in your world right now, it is no problem for Jesus. The doubts that you may be facing in your life right now, it's no problem for Jesus. And if you were here on Good Friday, you would know that there was a a whole heap of people that responded and said, I just want God to lift the darkness that's in my life. But then on Saturday, maybe some of you waited and by Sunday, you were thinking about leaving. Don't start to leave now. You have no idea what God is going to do. I promise you the light will break the dawn. The light will break the darkness. You've got to stick around for the end. It's always worth it when you have Jesus because he always brings you into the light. The light 
is Jesus. It's not outside of him. It's Jesus. He is the light and he calls you to himself. The Bible says in John 1, 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Psalm 104, he covers himself with light as a garment. You see, Jesus, he is the light. It's not around him. He is the light. And when you hear him call, you got to start to follow his voice. Jesus calls people out of darkness and into life. Do you understand that the resurrection was not just simply saying that at the end of your life, there is a fail safe to make sure that you can avoid hell. Choose Jesus. And then and the last moment you'll escape hell. That's not the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In him was light and life. He wants you to have life and abundant life here in this place and to live in the light here on planet earth. Not when you get there. Everyone's going to live in the light who calls on the name of Jesus there, but he wants people to live in the light right here. And in your life, in your life, you will hear many voices that call out to you. I don't have to tell you this. So many of you would already understand this. There are voices that call to you all the time. Voices of insecurity. Voices of fear. Voices of doubt. Voices of guilt. Voices of rejection. Did you know that the voice of rejection that says, how could God possibly love you? Look at the darkness that's in your life. You know what you've done. You know the mistakes that you've made. That voice of rejection says he would never choose you, but the voice of guilt would step in and say, no, 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 no. You're guilty for all the things that you've done wrong against God. And Even if you're not familiar with the Bible, you'd have to acknowledge the fact that you have not lived a perfect life. It's the voice of darkness that calls to people. It's the voice of condemnation. What's condemnation? It's the shadow of death. The Bible says that if you believe in Jesus and you call of him, you have no condemnation. For there is therefore now, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. But if you don't call on the name of Jesus, then it says you stand responsible for what you've done. That's to stand in the shadow of death. That's to stand in condemnation. And when you hear the voice of condemnation, when you hear the voice of guilt and you hear the voice of rejection, what is your answer? You simply say back, Jesus. His life, he lived a life you couldn't live. His death, he died the death that you should die. But then beyond that, because anyone can tell you something and die for it. But only Jesus predicted his own resurrection and was resurrected and came back to life in a way that he shall never die. And then after being resurrected and defeating the power of sin and breaking the curse of sin, it says that he ascended that he would be seated in heavenly places far above rule and authority, far above dominion. 
Far above the darkness that's in your world right now. And that's where he would be seated. To be seated as a position of authority. He lived life as a human so that when you pray to him, he hears you as a human. But he has the power and the ability to answer you as God. God of God. Light of light. He lives in a position of authority over your life. Jesus finds you in the dark. He finds you in the dark. This is the end of that scripture we read at the beginning. It says, rejoice not over me, O enemy. When you hear the voice of the enemy that starts to speak to you, you say, rejoice not over me, O my enemy. For when I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord. Why? Because I have sinned until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out to the light. And I promise you this this morning, that wherever you find yourself, whatever would be happening in your world right now, Jesus will find you in the darkness. He finds you where you are and He takes you. And like He did on the way to Emmaus and like He will with you, He will walk with you. He takes you and He moves you forwards into the light. The judgment that Micah talks about, it's already been done. The battle's been won. He reigns victorious. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. The King. Giver of life. Bible says that the Father is the Father of lights. He is the light that shines in the darkness. His name is Jesus and the darkness has not overcome Him. Come on, let's sing. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.